Welcome to the podcast series for SID Directors Conference 2020. My name is Neil Parekh, and I'm a partner and head of Asia Pacific at Tikeho Capital. As part of our post-conference engagement with partners and attendees, these bite-sized podcasts aim to provide greater insights into key topics covered at the virtual conference in August. Stay tuned to hear more about how organizations can navigate through the complexities and unknowns in, these, in this unique situation to reassess business as usual. We are honored to have the CEO of SGX Recco, Mr. Tan Bunjin, with us today to share more about tiding through the crisis. Welcome, Bunjin. Hello, Neil. Um, perhaps uh, you could help us uh, share some insights on what role Recco plays within SGX, just to give us a very quick introduction on Recco. Thank you, Neil. So our collective goal today is all about jobs, creating jobs, saving jobs, improving jobs. Many businesses and companies have been affected by COVID, some more than others. The government, of course, has been playing a leading role. I think that we, as regulators, have a part to play as well to support this effort. As you know, SGX RECCO is the regulatory arm of the Singapore Exchange, and we carry out the frontline regulatory responsibilities of the exchange. This includes conducting real-time surveillance to monitor all the trading on the exchange, as well as all the listed companies to make sure they have proper corporate governance and are complying with their listing obligations. Now, SGX is strong in secondary fundraising, meaning that even after the IPO of a company, when the company subsequently wants to raise more funds, the market is there for the company. In fact, that is one of the reasons why companies list in the first place, so that they can tap the public markets at times like this, when they need to recapitalize. Now, in order to do this, companies need a mandate from their shareholders to issue new shares to raise funds. This is called a general share issue mandate. And normally this is kept at 50% of a company's share capital. So a company can only raise funds up to a certain limit, which is 50% of the company's share capital. During these challenging times, companies may need much more than that. So what we have done is to increase the limit on the share issue mandate from 50% to 100% of the share capital. So now companies can raise more funds in the secondary market up from 50% previously to 100% of their share capital. As of September, 32 companies have already taken advantage of the higher share issue mandate that is now permitted, and we expect more to come in the year ahead. We also understand that time to market for companies is very important. If a company wants to do secondary fundraising, the amount of money the company can raise depends a lot on market conditions, which can change very quickly during times like this. So we are trying to help companies shorten the time to market as much as possible to reduce the market risk and uncertainty. 
and companies come to us for regulatory approvals in order to conduct fundraising, for example, for a rights issue or the listing or quotation of new shares, we are now prioritizing such applications to expedite them as quickly as possible. I'm glad to say the market has noted the faster turnaround time and we have already received a lot of positive feedback. So in summary, we have made it easier for companies to raise more money and we are making the process faster for companies to raise money so that they can catch the best market conditions. The other thing that we're trying to do is to help companies stay focused on turning their business around. So let me give you an example. In normal times, companies that are not doing well financially, they go onto something called a financial watch list. So if they make losses for three consecutive years and their market cap falls below a certain amount, they go onto this financial watch list. And being on the watch list has certain consequences and it may be harder for the company to get a loan or to raise funds. So what we have done is to suspend entry into the financial watch list for a year because we don't want to unfairly prejudice companies for this unexpected macroeconomic event and because we want companies to focus on turning things around without the distractions of being on a watch list. So these are some of the things we are doing as a regulator to help companies during this period. Thanks, Bunjin. You know, some of these measures are very strong measures that RECTO has taken. And I congratulate you and your team for these outstanding initiatives in clearly a time of great need for all of us. If I may ask, uh, what changes do you see in terms of directors' responsibilities in this environment? A, a director's responsibility doesn't change, right? It's always the duty to act in the best interests of the company and the best interests of shareholders. Now, during difficult times, it's very tempting for directors to want to sit on bad news. And the way they justify it is because releasing the bad news will result in the share price going down or result in the lenders to the company pulling the plug. And so they are acting in the best interest of shareholders by not releasing the bad news. Now, my response is for directors to always remember that they also owe a duty to the shareholders buying and selling in the market. We operate a disclosure-based regime and these shareholders are trading based on the information that is being released by the company. And even more so in times like these, because retail participation today is even higher than before. Retail investors, more than anyone, rely on the corporate disclosures to make investment decisions. Because unlike institutional investors, they don't have the benefit of access to management or in-house analysts. So we are very focused on encouraging timely and accurate disclosures during this period. And we have issued a lot of guidance on disclosure to set out our, our expectations of listed companies. And you can find this in our regulators columns on our website. Now we recognize that things are changing very quickly and there may be a lot of uncertainty, but it is precisely during such periods that investors need more information. 
So even if things are still developing and companies cannot quantify the impact, they should still make disclosures to reflect the current state of affairs and the strategy or steps being taken to address it. And we encourage directors to put themselves in the shoes of investors and see things from their perspective. As a shareholder, as an investor, what would you like to know? And in this regard, we cannot emphasize enough the shareholder interest in non-financial factors, especially social factors. Every shareholder is an employee, a customer, and a member of the community. They want to know whether the company has been supportive of its workforce and keeping everyone employed, how the company has been retaining its customers and keeping them safe, and how the company has been contributing to the larger community. Now, apart from the temptation to sit on bad news, there are other temptations, of course. In times of financial stress, there's a greater propensity for corporate malfeasance. And that is why we are now making changes to enhance our enforcement regime. And we now have a dedicated enforcement team to speed up the process and achieve quicker public outcomes. And this is important to give clarity to the market as soon as possible and to restore investor confidence. In this regard, directors are uniquely placed within the company to spot if there's anything untoward going on. And we now have a dedicated whistleblowing office and we have procedures in place to ensure strict confidentiality. So directors who have any concerns about what's going on in their companies can be assured there's now a secure channel to engage us directly. Thanks, Bunjin. Um, it seems like you've given a lot of thought to the evolving nature of uh, directors' responsibilities in this uh, challenging times. Uh, it's good to hear that. If I may ask a broader question, all of us hope that the crisis is going to end soon. However, no one can predict how this will go. No one expected what we saw in the last uh, few weeks with the resurgence of cases in Western Europe and uh, increased cases in the US. As a regulator, what are your expectations if this crisis were to be a more prolonged one? Also, what do you see the regulator's role in supporting businesses through these difficult times, if this ends up being a much more longer crisis than what had we, we had originally envisaged? I think first and foremost, as a regulator, we must be sensitive to the market and its needs. The effects of COVID are likely to last for some time, and it's going to cause more challenges and uncertainty for companies. We need to be conscious of this and also be aware that our rules were not written with something like COVID in mind. So there is no playbook and we must be willing to apply our rules in ways that we have not done before. As I mentioned previously, regulators can play a role in helping companies and help create or preserve jobs. So let me give you a couple of examples. Our listing rules require shareholder approval 
for certain types of transactions. And this is usually tied to the size of the company. So if a transaction is say bigger than 20% of the size of the company, shareholder approval is required. Now, because of the impact of COVID, companies in certain sectors that are more greatly affected may have seen their share prices fall. And because of that, the size of the company is now smaller. So these thresholds that are tied to the size of the company, they are now more easily triggered. And companies may now find that transactions, which were previously well below these thresholds, are now crossing these thresholds and may require shareholder approval. So we are taking a pragmatic approach to this. If the transaction is in the ordinary course of business and does not change the risk profile of the company, shareholder approval is not required. Companies should feel free to approach us to confirm that this is the case. And we are always happy to engage and confirm this quickly. Now, another example is in the area of restructuring. So if a company is in financial distress and has going concern issues, one solution is to explore restructuring. And it's very common in restructuring for there to be some kind of debt to equity conversion or for new money to come in, in return for new shares in the company. However, our rules are predicated on the company being a growing concern. So strictly speaking, if a company is not a growing concern, our rules do not allow the company to issue new shares. So we need to be more flexible when it comes to a restructuring, especially in a situation where new money is willing to come in for new shares in the company. Now, a new law has been passed recently, the Insolvency, Dissolution and Restructuring Act, that encourages company-led restructuring. And we need to be more helpful in the application of our rules to make sure that we are complementing this new law to achieve more successful restructuring. Finally, we mustn't forget that there will be some companies that emerge as winners out of this. And these companies may be looking up, may be looking to scale up very quickly, expand and hire more people. And some of them may wish to tap the capital markets in order to do so. And we should be helpful to these companies as well. In other words, we will apply the spirit rather than the letter of our rules. But this has to be a two-way street. Directors cannot be asking us to apply the spirit one day when it suits the company, and then insist on observing the letter the next when it comes to issues involving disclosures or investor protection. It has to be two-way street. Moonjun, thank you for sharing your time and your insights. Um, I think we could go on for another hour because you have so much to share, but uh, perhaps for now we will uh, stop here. Thanks again for very much for your time. For the listeners, I would strongly encourage you to join other such uh, high quality podcasts that SID is putting online. Thanks again for uh, your attention this morning. Bye-bye. Thank you, Neil.